Hey there, Full Disc listeners. We've got something special for you today. In the current global pandemic world we're living in, we at Full Disc started feeling the huge void being left by the extreme lack of aviating going on. Our good friends at Mudspike Aviation felt the same. We both agreed that something needed to be done. Since we couldn't get out and watch our friends fly, we figured what better way to keep in touch than inviting them into our virtual flight line and having a simple conversation about all things aviation. For seven straight hours, we had live conversations with military pilots, airshow pilots, warbird owners and operators, social media personalities, and photographers. The audio was recorded live, and while there were definitely some technical issues that popped up, we feel that the quality of the conversation greatly outweighs the quality of the audio. Without further ado, Full Disc Aviation and Mudspike Aviation present the following for your listening pleasure. Full Disc Aviation and Mudspike Aviation present an aviation conversation. As I've started each interview today, I hope you're all staying safe and healthy. We appreciate you joining us today. Hope that this brightens your day, if only just for a bit. We know these are difficult times for many of us, and to be able to give back in this way to the community that has brought us so much joy over the years is something we're very happy about and grateful to be a part of. We are here today with my buddy Zulu once more. What's up, dude? Now, how you doing, man? Doing my Hi, man. man. And we have Scott Francis from Scott Francis Air Shows here with us today. How you doing, dude? Hey, I'm doing great, guys. Thanks, thanks for so much for having me. This is this is a good time. Absolutely, man. This is great. Um, for those of you who don't know, we've worked with uh, Scott Francis on a number of uh, photo missions, full disc aviation. Uh, we caught his uh, MXS smoking on the ramp at New Garden and up in the air at Culpeper, like we were kind of touching about earlier. It wasn't all uh, missed connections. We did finally link up in the air, and that was cool. Um, but, uh, I kind of want to go back to the beginning here, uh, and you growing up a little bit around McConnell Air Force Base in Wichita. Um, yeah. Aviation was basically in your Cheerios when you were coming up. Is that right? <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Yeah, my, my dad, uh, was, was an experimental test pilot, uh, worked for aircraft for most of his career. And his father, my grandfather was an airline. So, uh, Flying kind of blood, and you know, uh, some of your listeners may know that Wichita is, is, is a very, very aviation-oriented town. So, you know, Kansas as a state is only known for a few things. Farming is definitely one of them, but aviation is definitely others. So that's kind of where where it got uh, got deep in my deal. Oh man, are there any airplanes from that era that you can remember that you conjure up in your? memory maybe romantically like uh certain airframe airframes that you were pretty enamored with back then yeah you know what there, there's basically two uh categories of airplanes that got my my attention when i was growing up uh, one, one of them was general radiation airplanes you know because being out at the beach all the time with my dad growing up pre- pretty much any beach airplane i thought was magic and you know one way or another uh, but then, as you mentioned, we lived not far from McConnell Air Force Base, and uh, there were constantly uh, uh, Air Force airplanes coming and going from there. So, like F one hundred fives, when I was a kid, those were coming and going all the time, and I thought oh. those were oh, those were the neatest, you know, jets. Yeah. And 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 you know, later on, B one Bs were flying in and out of there all the time and whatnot. So, to me, those were all the go fast airplanes and. 
and uh, and the airplanes out of out of beach were kind of the, the more approachable flyable airplane but but it, it, you know it was all good it was all good to me i was just surrounded by, you know growing up that's awesome I think you uh, mentioned us that you may or may not have wanted to fly Navy fighters at one point in time. If you could go back in time yeah. and like get LASIK for your eyes, would you try that route? <laughs> you know what? A- absolutely, You're exactly right. When I when I uh, when I went into college, um, I had competed for a full Navy ROTC scholarship out of high school, uh, and I got it. So that that was the good news, uh, and I I had my a private pilot's license that I got in high school. So uh, I absolutely had, you know, fighter aviation on the mind, fly pointy into jets and all. And, but uh, what happened was I went off to college and got a flight physical uh, for the military. And my uncorrected eyesight was not good enough at the time. I think the rules have changed now. It wasn't good enough time uh, to be a fighter pilot. And so they told me that there was just no chance I was going to be uh, a fighter pilot in the Navy, or quite honestly, any branch of the military. And so the program, uh, the way it was at the time, was you had one year to think about what you're doing and make decisions and whatnot. And, and after that one year's up, you either had to commit to the military, uh, and they, of course, can do with you what they want, you know, or you could leave the program uh, and not, not owe anything. And so since, since there was zero chance of me flying, uh, I decided to go down a different path. You know, it's always been a path I wish I could have gone down. I fly with a lot of guys at work that uh, uh, one, one of my good friends was an F-16 pilot in the Air Force and also an F-117 pilot. And, and, and the deal I have with him, he and I fly together frequently. And every time we fly together, the deal is he has to tell me a, a cool a cool military jet story, you know, so that I can live uh, <laughs> vicariously through him. <laughs> I think... Uh... So. In Nate's uh, last interview with you on the site, I think you mentioned something about uh, if you could buy only one fighter, you say it would be an F-16, yeah. right? Yeah. yeah. How do you reconcile I, that with your Navy aspirations? <laughs> <laughs> well, I don't. I, I, I don't. You know, I figure if the Navy wasn't willing to have me, then I, I have no allegiance to them. So, but, you know, the, 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 the F-16 to me, um, it, it looks like a fighter jet should, right? And if yeah. you look at more modern fighters like F-35s and F-22s and so forth, there's no question that they're more capable in many ways, particularly when it comes to, you know, radars and electronics and electronic warfare and all that. But but it just doesn't seem to have the same sexy jet factor as the F-16. The F-16 looks right. And, and, and my buddy, you know, that I fly with a lot that flew them, you know, he he said, you know, the visibility out of them is tremendous. The agility is tremendous. And and and, and to me, that's that's just the, the height of fighter jet. I, I think everything going forward. And of course, they've said, right, that the, the last fighter pilots already been born because eventually they're all going to be manned. But 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 now it's all it's all an electronics race. Right. So I think the F-16 was the epitome of the fighter pilots jet. And everything after that is is more a matter of being a systems operator. So yeah, if if I could if I could fly any of those, it would definitely it would definitely be the F sixteen. Never heard it. I've never heard it said that way. And you're absolutely right. I think that uh, that uh, whoever designed the F thirty five and uh, 
has no no. You know, I hate to see their girlfriend or their or their wife. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, right. I mean, it's it, those are amazing jets, but they just look not sexy. They just look Sorry. not sexy. They look awkward, right? They're 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 they're, they're the geek of the of the fighter <laughs> aircraft community, right? <laughs> I agree with you on the F-16, though. It looks like, I mean, it's a pointy jet. It's It looks like it needs yeah. to go really fast. Yeah, right. So, you know, and those those will eventually age out and whatnot. But I think it'll be a while before we're not seeing F-16s around. And also, they're not, they're not as expensive as an F-22, right? An F-22 is a great jet, but it's it's ridiculously expensive compared to 16. So, uh, yeah, yeah, who knows? Maybe another 10 or 20 years, we'll still have them around to watch the Thunderbirds fly. Maybe in another ten or twenty years, uh, they'll be cheap enough for you to buy for your routine. You could just perform an F sixteen <laughs> instead of a... that. Will require uh, winning the lottery once or twice, and, and uh, <laughs> the, the problem is if you don't play, you can't win. But if you do play, you're also up much. So I don't. I don't think that's going to happen. <laughs> Scott, there's something. There's something called GoFundMe. Okay, we'll create a page hey. for you. We'll get people to donate. We'll buy you one. Right. I like that. I like. Hey, hey! If Art and all can buy a, a Harrier jet, I should be able to buy an F sixteen, right? Yeah, I agree there with that. Go. Yeah, yeah. I think you, uh, you fly like the you know general aviation equivalent to an F sixteen. I would say. Um, <laughs> what got you interested in flying uh, an airplane that allows you to to get so nasty up in the air with it? Yeah, well, I, I guess a couple things. Um, I, I mean, one is I'm kind of a speed and G junkie just just by nature. I mean, when I was a kid, I rode motocross motorcycles and just just love the adrenaline rush. Yeah. And uh, you know, when I got into aerobatics, uh, I started the way a lot of people do in the sport. You know, I started training in a, in a super decathlon, which is a fantastic. Um, aerobatic airplane, but I don't think anybody would accuse it of being particularly high performance, but it, you know, but it teaches all of the fundamental skills really well. And, and at, and at a pace that the brain can absorb when, when you're new to it. But, you know, after I'd spent some hours flying that and, and competing in it and whatnot, um, I got a, uh, my, the first airplane I ever bought was a Pitts S1T, Pitts Special, right? And that is, is a phenomenally great airplane. In fact, even today, it's probably the best bang for the buck in aerobatics. Um, but you know what? Every time you move up from, let's call them a high-performance airplane to a higher-performance airplane, at first it seems like you know you, your brain will never catch up, and my gosh, you can't you, you can't begin to imagine needing any more, more performance than that. But my experience has been that that's just never true. That you always acclimate to it, and and then you wish you had more. So when, when I had the pits. You know, that was a great airplane for competing up through, say, advanced level and maybe even doing some light, you know, air show, air show work in it. You know, it was a great, great airplane. But but when I moved to the like the Giles 202, which was my next airplane, a, a carbon fiber monoplane, that that was just a quantum leap in performance. And, and by performance, I mean just in terms of speed and roll rate and, and ability to pull and sustain Gs without scrubbing a ton of energy and so forth. And, and I spent a number of years in the Giles 202 having a ball, but but even with that airplane, I got to the point where I just wish I had, you know, a little more because your brain just kind of acclimates to it, right? And then, 
when I moved into the MX, same, same experience, right? I mean, the first, the first pretty much year that I was flying the MX, quite honestly, I was just holding on for dear life, right? I mean, it's just the airplane <laughs> is just, it's just, you know, so fast and the roll rate is so high that it just, it just takes a while to acclimate to it. And, 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 you know, I mean, where, where I am now, would I ever move to another airplane? Well, maybe, but I'm not even sure what it would be short of the F-16 and that's not going to happen. So, you know, <laughs> I, I'm pretty happy where, where I am in the MX. It, it's, it's, it, it is far and away the most phenomenal airplane that I personally have ever flown. The, it has really no nasty habits and it's just, it's just as honest of airplane. I gotta, I gotta say that that um, your, your aircraft is probably because of the speed. It's probably one of the um, most difficult for me photo, uh, aircraft to photograph. And I, yeah. I go back to the first time that I really uh, noticed the aircraft was when I was at New Garden and I was shooting inside of the air show box and and. God, you gave me a workout. <laughs> yeah, you know what? I mean, I, I tell guys, you know, that fly different kinds of aircraft on, on the circuit. I, I my, my personal opinion is you ought to do with the airplane what that airplane does best, right? And every airplane's different. You know, so uh, a Citabri or a Decathlon flies very differently and demonstrates differently than a Pitts, which is very different than, a, you know, an MX or an Extra. But the, the, the thing that, that I mean, the MX does th three things really well, right? One, one is it, it, it holds speed well, just because it's not very draggy and the, and the wing is pretty thin. So it's, it's, it's easy to get speed and maintain speed in it. So one of the things I like to do in my show, you know, the first thing I do diving in is just get a whole uh, head of steam and come blasting in at, at V&E or maybe even a little above it just to kind of shock the senses and, oh, my gosh, this airplane can do 300 miles an hour. The second thing the airplane does well is it's capable of pulling a lot of G's. You know, its design load <clears throat> is um, plus and minus 14 G's, and it was designed not oh. to fail up until about plus and minus 20. Oh, uh, oh my and, God. And, but, but, but what's interesting about that, right, is, is not just the strength of the wing, but, but as a pilot, what I find interesting about it is, you know, in any airplane, as you go to higher and higher G load and higher – angle of attack, you know, higher alpha, the drag goes up. That's, that's true for any airplane, any airfoil. But, but the MX airfoil, for some reason, it scrubs way less energy under high alpha than any airplane I've ever flown. If, if you G up a pits in, in a hard turn, you, you can do it, but you're going to scrub a ton of speed off of it, and you're going to come out of it with not a lot of energy. For some reason, the MX, you, you, you can relate it to a 10, 11, 12, turn and just not lose a lot of speed and i'm not a, i'm not an aerospace engineer i'm electrical so aerospace engineering is all magic to me uh but for some reason it just it, it can just corner very hard without scrubbing um and then the third the third thing the third major quality right is is the roll rate and and the mx rolls faster than than any airplane i've ever flown um it you know i've, I've recorded it on video it and it rolls at about 540 degrees a second. So if you're carrying a lot of speed and throw the stick all the way over, it's just blindingly fast in roll. So you know, so when I fly my show, I try to I try to show the speed of it. I try to show the G's that it can sustain, and I try to show the the roll rate because I think those are the three kind of marquees 
of the year. That explains why um, I don't have any really, 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 really good photographs of you because it's a blur. <laughs> well, we'll have to fix that. We'll go out some time and just go slower. <laughs> yeah, yeah, fly slower for us. Right, right, right. That's been a running joke, I think, for uh, all the air shows I've been with these guys hanging out, watching you perform, because, you know, regardless of what my framing is with the shot, as I'm tracking you into the box, like the second you flip the wing up and make a turn, you're gone out of the frame. Yeah. I got to like go find you again before I start shooting. So I usually get a lot of blurry frames in there. Sometimes <laughs> I'll catch you. If the shutter speed is high enough, I'll catch you looking like your face is being pulled into your lap as you rip back on the stick. Um, can you explain like how bad it hurts to pull 14 G's. You know what? So, um, so, so in fairness, I probably don't do more than about 12. And, and the reason that I'm saying about is because the G meter in the airplane um, maxes out at plus 10 and negative six. And it keeps track of, <laughs> of your maximum. And, and I always mean? come back maxed out either way. But I, I, don't, I don't think I pull 14. I think probably 11 or 12 positive and about six negative. But, but, but to answer your question, First of all, it's something you build up to, right? And if you, you know, like I don't fly as much over the winter time, at least not aerobatic fly, not. And in the spring, I definitely have to build it back up. So it's not the kind of thing that anybody can just hop in the airplane and go pull 11 or 12 Gs. That being said, right, the body through whatever process, it's a mystery to me, but the body acclimates um, to that quite well if it's exposed to it frequently so i you know you know i'm i'm living proof that you don't have to be a superhuman to to fly an airplane like an mx and pull 11 or 12 g's i guarantee you know most people could do it if they had exposure to it and then and then the other thing i'll say that one of the unique things about the mx that makes it easier uh to pull high g loads that would be in a lot of airplanes is is two things one one is the seat is reclined pretty significantly. So the, the G vector, if you will, is not straight down your head, your spine, to your lower extremities. It's kind of, it's kind of through your gut. It's, it's almost kind of in front of you to behind you. And the second thing is that your legs are, are almost straight out in front of you. So it's not like you're sitting in a chair. It's almost like you're in a recliner. And the G loads are kind of pushing you uh, into the recliner rather than 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 down your spine, and, and and that's significant, right? Because ultimately, you know, those G loads are, are pulling blood out of your brain, right? That's that's why you right. eventually black out and get stupid. The the more you can recline, the less that force is is pulling blood out of your head. And then and then I lied. There's one more thing. Um, <laughs> you know, the, the 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 fighter pilot guys, like if you talk to my F-16 buddy, you know, they, they wear G-suits and so forth. But the reason they do that, right, is because, you know, an F-16 can roll into a 9G turn and sustain it for some ridiculous period of time. You know, they go to afterburner and they can hold 9Gs. You know, like when, when I do my routine in the MX, you know, I don't have an afterburner. I can't go hold 12Gs, you know, for two or three minutes at a time. So the exposure... The, the exposure time is much less. When I'm, when I'm pulling 11 or 12 Gs, literally, it's only for a few seconds. And quite honestly, as long as you tighten up your gut and kind of grunt through it, it it's it, it's not that bad. R really, quite honestly, like I say, I'm living proof that anybody can. <laughs> yeah, I think one of the things that, you know, uh, so that 
if you ever get a chance to see, we have do. There is a video out there of uh, Scott, you know, with a with a dash a dash cam, you know, doing his routine, and and just to see the expressions on the face, and you could see you tighten up, and you could see when you're about to snap, and and, and it's it's really cool to get that perspective. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's tightening up the gut is is absolutely critical. I think uh, like Navy guys call it the hook maneuver. It's just you got to tighten up all your extremities to keep away from 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 leaving the room. But you know when you're when you're when you're pushing negative G's outside maneuvers, it's just the opposite. You have to do everything you possibly can to relax because the more you tighten up, uh, the more it actually increases the pressure in your brain, which is already when you push negative G's. So it's just, it's a really high experience because you've got a lot of pressure on the body and a lot of pressure against the straps, but you've got to do everything you can to breathe and, and loosen up and try to stay relaxed. Otherwise, whatever you're experiencing, you're just going to make it work. Oop, I didn't lose you guys, did I? I lost you there, Scott. You? Oh, there you're back. Can you hear me? There. Yeah, we can hear you. Hear you. Oh, we're good. Are you there, guys? Well, speaking of speaking of that, and one of the things, just one of the trademarks, I call it a trademark, is uh, you 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 fly, you wear a headband. Is is that for yeah. style, or are you really building up a sweat? <laughs> well, it's not for style. Um, <laughs> it actually serves. It actually serves two purposes. The, the most important one is the the headset that I wear is is one of these in ear, very lightweight headsets that wrap around the back of your head. And so the main thing is just just to keep it on my head, right? So if under positive G's. Um, that headset isn't going to go anywhere, but under negative G's, uh, if it weren't for that headband, it would definitely depart my head, which is, is not such a good thing. But but the second thing is, in, in the summertime, when most of these shows are, um, you know, the, you know, these airplanes like mine don't have any air conditioning, um, and, you know, you, you've got kind of a greenhouse effect when the canopy is closed, so it's very, very hot. You sweat a lot. And as soon as you start pulling G's, all the all, all that sweat runs right into your eyes, um, and not not being able to see is not such a great thing either, right? When you're flying close to the ground and whatnot. So the headband is basically just a just to keep the headset on and keep the sweat out of my eyes. I don't I don't, I don't think I'm winning any style points with it. <laughs> I, don't know, I, I think it looks pretty cool. Right, I think I think it gives you a certain look, and 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 when we see you taxi by and you got that headband on. You give us a thumbs up yeah. and a little smoke. It's uh, stylish. Yeah. yeah. All right. All right. Well, yeah. Let's go with that. <laughs> <laughs> Where has been uh, your favorite place to fly the last few years? Uh, you know what? Uh, you know, I like that, that. That's a hard thing to answer because I, I like every air show venue that I go to. But but I would have to say my favorite was probably. Uh, my Con Air Force Base uh, a couple of years ago, just because you know that that's you know not only is my hometown, but it's it's uh, yeah. it's where I went to my first air show, you know, as a kid, and just being able to fly there uh, as an adult was was, uh, was a real thrill. 
That's awesome, man. <clears throat> what do you enjoy most about flying in air shows? Uh, you know what? I, I think the interacting with the kids and seeing the kids' reaction to what airplanes can do. You know, it takes me back to uh, when I was a kid. And by the way, I'm seeing green room. You guys still hear me okay? I hear you great. Okay. All right. Good. Um, it takes me back to when, you know, when I was a kid and, and uh, you know, airplanes and air shows were all just magic. I remember the smell of, you know, jet fuel and avgas being burned. So seeing that look on, on, on kids' face is just something that kind of takes me back uh, to, to a good place. And so, you know, that, that, and just, you know, and, 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 you know, showing other people, I think what, what, ordinary people are capable of doing. And, and I'll, I'll, I'll relate a story. I, I was flying a show last year. I think it was the one in Lancaster, Pennsylvania. And, uh, you know, I flew my routine, you know, really worked it hard and felt like I did pretty good. And, and uh, later that day, I was actually eating my lunch away from the flight line. And, and, a, and a guy came over to me and he said, hey, um, I've got to tell you a story. He said, you know, me and my kid were watching you fly. And I think his kid was was eight or 10 years old or something. And, and he said, you know, my kid really enjoyed watching you fly and he, he watched you taxi back in and get out of the airplane. And he said, he said, you know, my kid said, huh, I thought that was a young guy flying that airplane. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but, but I gotta, I got I gotta say though, you, you are young at heart because I'll never yes. forget. And we were at new garden uh, you and your wife got strapped in that, uh, that parachute bungee thing, and to see the expression on your face, we uh, everybody at full disc pulled out the cameras and started shooting pictures of Scott Francis <laughs> just being a little kid. We lost him. Oh man, I guess he didn't like my story. I guess not. <laughs> <laughs> oh, like, well, i'm out of here <laughs> yeah uh these guys yeah these guys are done uh let's see if i can move him back from the main room here there you are scott gotcha yeah gotcha. oh there you are sorry guys for some uh, reason we lost audio there for a while i thought you didn't like my story i was telling you the story about <laughs> you and the bouncy uh, the bungee thing over at new garden <laughs> We're taking pictures of you because it was so funny. That's that's hey, you being a young kid. I thought we had a deal that we weren't going to bring that up on this discussion. <laughs> I'm sorry. I thought the deal was no pictures. Uh, I didn't bring any pictures. But, uh... <laughs> that's really well, cool. Well, you know what? I'm, I'm, I'm living proof that you have to get older, but you don't have to grow up. Lost audio again. We lost audio again, but yeah, these things okay. happen when you're doing a live virtual air show. Uh, so, yeah, I'm back with you guys again. There you are. All right. Hello. Cool. Well, we're almost uh, at the end of this window anyway. Um, what's, yeah. the, uh, what's the most meaningful thing to you about flying? Oh, my gosh. Um, 
asked you know this what? question to Could a you... couple of guys earlier. Just the whole idea of cloud surfing really has piqued my interest. Just, you know, pointing your airplane at a cloud, going up one side and rolling inverted, going back down the other. Yeah. You, you know what? Everybody, everybody has their passion. Everybody has their thing. For, for me, flying, and not just aerobatic flying, but, but any kind of flying, is probably the closest thing that I ever get to to what somebody may call a Zen state, right? Where mm. you're kind of existing in this state of bliss where you're not thinking in words or whatnot. You're just, you're one with your machine and, uh, and the weather and the clouds. And, and it's, it's, it's difficult to put something like that into words, but, but, but for me, flying gets me there, right? That that's, you know, I think, I think people that are into boats and ships, you know, that, they go out in the sea and the sea speaks to them. And, you know, and I'm from Kansas, right? We don't do boats in Kansas. In fact, I didn't see the ocean until I was 13. But, but to me, the sky, you know, the sky was always my ocean, right? And it just, it, it takes me to my happy place. And so the, the, the worst day flying is, for me, better than the best day doing, doing almost anything else, to be honest with you. Well, cool, man. Yeah. I agree. I think I, I mentioned earlier, it might have been with uh, Adam was talking about the um, pleasure in the technique you've learned with flying kind of falls away and it's you and the machine as one. And I, I think that relates as well to a lot of artists and their passion. And in that regard, uh, when you are one with or passion in that sense, I feel like it's it's more of a religious experience than anything else. You are disconnected from this life, and you are just a part of the airplane, and you are speaking through the the poetry of flight. Yeah, yeah, I I, I agree with that. You know, it sounds it sounds a little corny in some ways, but I don't know of any other way to put it. It's just that you know, and, and when you when you learn to fly, as I'm sure a lot of your listeners know, you know, learning to fly is a little bit mechanical. You know, do this with the with the yoke or the stick and do this with the, with the throttle. But, but you get to a point where you just kind of break through that horizon and nothing is words. It's just, it's just one, one motion with the airplane. And I, and I don't know how you can describe experience like that. You just, you just have to, and I'm, I'm sure race car drivers and, and fishermen and, and, and also, you know, and tennis players all have similar experiences, but you just, you, you just transform to a different, a different dimension. You have yeah, to, you have you. to, you have to live it. I mean, these things when, you know, uh, opportunities that we have to go up when we do, you know, sometimes we have to remember just to put down the lens and just absorb it and just the beauty of flight. Yeah, yeah, that's exactly it. And, and the fact that these machines, you know, do what what they do to me is just so elegant. They're just they're just poetry. In my- and, you know, I mean, I come at this from both an engineering standpoint, because that's my background, as well as a aviator background. And, and, I, and I find it interesting for both reasons, kind of the, the poetic, you know, uh, artistic side of, of flying this thing, as well as the uh, engineering side of, gosh, isn't it amazing that all this stuff works? <laughs> <laughs> you're, you're absolutely right, man. Um. I guess uh got one more question then maybe uh maybe wrap it up. Do you have any advice for the next generation of pilots? You know, I I, I do. I, I get asked that question a lot. And 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 I like that question because um 
because my path in aviation wasn't a straight line and, and a lot of people's aren't a straight line. And so I think, I think my advice to younger people that are interested in aviation would be follow your passion. And, and what I mean by that, it seems obvious, but it, it, maybe it isn't so obvious. What I mean by that is, you know, we all have to pursue careers, you know, to pay the bills and, and, and whatnot. And for a lot of people, maybe that will be aviation, maybe it won't. But I think young people look at aviation and they think, wow, I mean, there's only a few choices. I could, you know, fly in the military or I could fly for the airlines or maybe I could be a corporate pilot. Maybe that's about it. The reality is that the aviation opportunities are so much larger. There's so many more of them than I think even I ever knew growing up around aviation. So even though my primary career has not been aviation, um, I've, I've found, you know, just wonderful ways to scratch the aviation itch. And it's not, it's not just air shows. I mean, I spend at least half my time at work uh, now flying as, as kind of a test pilot on a program for the military. And, and, and not in a million years would I have guessed that, that, that my, my track would, would take me. But, but really the reason that it did was because I never lost connection to what I'm passionate about, right? So, you know, when I, uh, you know, got flying more after college uh, and started building some hours and whatnot, you know, I had no idea where that would take me, but, you know, eventually it got me into, you know, learning some aerobatics, which got me into flying competition aerobatics, which got me into buying my first airplane, my, my Pitts S1T, and, and not in a million years did I ever think that I would own an airplane. And, and there, there's lots of others just seemingly random kind of things, you know, when I decided to get a multi-engine rating, not having any idea what I would do with it, you know, yeah. which led to, you know, having a, a Baron for use for, for business and personal travel, and then eventually, you know, getting an ATP and flying King Air for owners and uh, getting type into actually at work. I, I'm being long-winded about it, but I guess what all I'm trying to say is that for, for your listeners, particularly your young ones, that have uh, a desire to fly, that have a passion for flying, just just move down the path. And it may not be a straight path, but there are so many doors that open for you as an aviator that you couldn't see until you went through other doors first. And so for, for your young people there, if, if they have a passion for aviation. All I can say is, is pursue it one way or another. Pursue it, and you'll find the opportunities there that, uh, that you probably didn't. Even... Like that answer. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. Well, thank you so much for joining us today, man. I really appreciate this. This has been a lot of fun. Always Guys, good talking this to you, Scott. So much fun. Hey, thank thanks for having me. I hope everybody enjoyed it, and uh, I hope to see you all out on the air show circuit again soon when this uh, when this whole. Uh, COVID thing is behind us. Yeah, we're looking forward to that too. You can count on it, man. Sure. Well, uh, thanks, Scott, again for joining us. And be sure to check out Scott Francis Air Shows on your social media channels. If you've got a second, please fill out the survey pinned to the chat thread so we can improve upon what we've started today. Thank you for tuning in to this aviation conversation. We hope that our discussion of aviation brought a smile to your face. This was our first time hosting this event, and we look forward to doing it again in the future. We welcome any feedback to improve these future events. 
You can find Full Disc Aviation online at www.fulldiscaviation.com and Mudspike Aviation at www.mudspikeaviation.com. Thanks again, and we'll see you next time.